You're listening to the Crazy Grace Podcast, where today's modern spiritual experience comes alive in authentic conversation. So let's think back to how we first met, because I was actually trying to think about that when I was thinking about introducing you. I was like, I don't even know when to say that we first met. I just know that you did worship in second year when I was in first. Yeah. Um, um, I would say my, sometime around there. My earliest memory of you is you were pushing shopping carts at Target. Oh, so that was when I was in second year. Really? That's that's my er, that's like that's my earliest memory. But I'm sure I met you before that. Yeah, yeah. I actually um, back then I had long hair and a beard sometimes, um, and <laughs> one time and I would often work at night and push carts. And then mm-hmm. one time this person pulled up and. I was pushing one cart at night. I was just trying to get the last cart in the store so I could go home. And um, this person thought I was homeless and went to McDonald's and got <laughs> a few burgers and then gave it to me because they just saw somebody with long hair, beard, pushing one cart at night. Yeah. It was nice of them. It was very nice <laughs> of them, but mm-hmm. it was kind of odd. <laughs> that is odd. That is weird. Yeah. I don't. I didn't really know how to like respond to it that well. So, yeah. I hope you responded well because they were being kind. <laughs> I mean, a bit presumptuous, but like. Yeah, but let's you try, know, let's try and see the kindness in it. They were trying to be kind. Yeah, they did. They did judge me ruthlessly, but then they were like, well, "I'm going to do something nice for this person I judged." I I guess I more was profiled. Yes. Which but you did, a, you did kind of fit the profile. I did fit the profile. Yeah. So that's true. Just, just say they were being kind. I looked like <laughs> a homeless person. <laughs> they were being very kind. <laughs> just own it. Just, we've all had a bad. Day. I was I was actually homeless. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. So you probably I guess that was like your first memory. I guess. Um, that, that I, I just remember walking up and like that was the first time that I saw you and this that's, that's the first time I remember being like oh yeah I gotta go talk to this guy yeah that's all well that's sweet um, so yeah well so there's recently like we'll go to this because it, we're kind of already talking about it but so my friend Matt Hinsey who he'll, he'll be watching this at some point. Um, mm-hmm. I he remember this him art- Yeah, yeah. He posted uh, this article he wrote um, just the other day. I think we've been talking about it for like two days. We've been commenting on this little article um, about, you know, is Bethel a cult? And his, his thing, I don't think, was to say that it is. It was just to... To kind of be like, well, let's look at this logically, you know. Let's just have a conversation. Let's have is, a conversation. Is, is Bethel being accused of being a cult? Oh, it's constantly being accused. I mean, yeah, they're constantly being accused of being a cult just by any sort of like, you know, church watchdog kind of bloggers and you know, those people who write like about Kundalini and yeah, I don't pay attention. Yeah, yeah. There's only, no, there's only so many hours in the day. It's basically like, it's like uh, if you had a bunch of people that were really into like, um, you know, these theories about Illuminati and all this stuff. What if those people got saved and then they started all these weird theories about churches? And basically, that's oh, what okay. They are. Okay. <laughs> that's the easy way of describing them. So yeah, they. I mean, people they like think, to find a conspiracy and, and believe it's their job to. Right. Watch out and save everybody from deception. I mean, and there's no sort of discrimination. I mean, pretty much any church or ministry or person that they find is on the fringe, they would label, you know, as a heretical teacher, false teacher, false everything. So, I mean, that's not to say, it doesn't give much validity to the fact that if, if the church is a cult, because 
you know, they're the same people that would say that you're brainwashed or I'm brainwashed or we're, you know, being swept up in some sensationalism or whatever. So specifically Um, in regards to this, what do you want to talk about? Oh, yeah. So I want to talk about, like, what what was your experience when you went there and did you notice... There's several things like, did you notice um, just weird, weird stuff that you would say is anywhere near cult-like? Wow. Um, Weird stuff that's anywhere near (laughs) cult-like. I don't, having never been in a cult, I don't really know. Um. (laughs) <laughs> no one asked me to drink Kool-Aid. Um, no one told me when Jesus was coming back. Um, no one told me I had to do this, 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 and this in order to get X, Y, Z result in the sense of, like, I don't know, cut your hair or don't cut your hair or, like, something like that. Yeah. Um, uh, no one extolled the virtues of multiple wives or husbands. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody talked about... Um, I mean, I knew individual people who had, like, theories of... There are aliens, and, and they're individual people. And you know what? I know individual people here who have theories of ancient aliens and whatever, and... Just people, so yeah. like you're gonna meet people everywhere. You know the the Baptist church down the street. I know a guy who goes there. He's pretty sure that aliens exist. Okay, is that Baptist church a cult? No, it's just a church with a guy in it who thinks this, maybe. So yeah. that would probably be the weirdest thing. But it actually wasn't the church. It was someone I knew in Reading who thought that. But that was it. Yeah. That was it. Um, I think it's easy to target a place like Bethel. Um, I think there's some stuff that's amazing, and there's some stuff that's missing. Um, I read a bit of that thread on the, the comments and everything from, that, from Matt's article. Um, A lot of people talked about the culture of honor in that Mm -hmm. thread. I don't know if you wanted to address that specifically. Yeah, Um, yeah. It's kind of a mainstay of, um, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like one of their main core values is honor in that Mm -hmm. culture. Definitely. I think the only danger in that isn't isn't at all from from Bill or or Danny or Chris or Paul or Benny or any of those people. Um, I think the the culture of honor is that the church doesn't know how to do that properly. And so within that, we create a celebrity culture Mm. and call it the culture of honor. Um, But the culture of honor that is actually in the heart of the leadership is to honor the least of these. Like what, what what isn't famous and what I recall doing more than like being on stage or, or anything like that was, um, you know, the buses that drove around the city to pick up the poor and homeless and feed them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like how much work goes into taking care of the poor in that city? Uh, I would imagine quite a bit still because the resources yeah. are quite big. And the culture of honor actually means that you honor someone. Um, but unfortunately what happens is 
people, like the general general people, don't know how to do honor properly, and they forget that yes, you honor the leader, but you also honor. But the leader is really just the servant who goes lower, and we happen to give this guy a microphone for an hour. You know, it, mm -hmm. it doesn't make him a better um, whatever. But we honor we honor that person who gets the microphone because what we're honoring is how they've handled all the struggles to get to the point where they can handle the, the authority and mantle that Jesus has given them. Like, hey, you did really well responding to all the bull crap in your life. Yeah. Good job. I, I see nothing wrong with that. Um, but I think, you know, in general, yeah, there's a celebrity culture. But that's not the culture of honor. That's a celebrity culture. It's the same thing why I know Kanye got married. Like, because people talk about that crap all the time. Yeah. I don't care that Kanye got married or didn't or... I, I don't know anything about Kanye. I don't, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Like, the reason I know Kanye is a person is celebrity culture. The reason I know he's married to what's her name, Kardashian, is celebrity culture, right? That's what we know how to do. We don't know how to do honor, and so that's we've taken this Christianese word, and because it's a good principle and it's actually true, we slap that principle on the fact that we've made celebrities out of servants. Mm -hmm. But people did that to Jesus too. Every, you know, the crowds were so big he thought he was going to get crushed. Mm -hmm. Imagine if people had, had phones, could have taken photos of him, and every chump with an opinion could have written a blog about it. You know, like yeah, there'd have been enough. Um, I'll say this for my for my time there. It's taken me a decade to actually figure out what I learned. Because, man, well, you know this. There's, there's stuff that they say and things that they actually, like, things that I got from being there um, that didn't come from, you know, someone at a pulpit. But somehow I find myself responding to things or, like, having... Like, honor is one of my biggest core values. And I totally got that from Danny. But I got it from hanging around him. And then I actually got it by watching people like Paul Manwaring um, give honor mm -hmm. to people. And it took me long. It, it was more than just hearing it. Um... Yeah, the only real critique I would have of the place would be that Christians have turned it into a celebrity place. Um, I wouldn't say that's the heart of the leadership at all. Yeah. I mean, I saw Bill a year and a half ago. He's the same person that I met 13 years ago. I don't know. Like, I mean, he has more authority and revelation. I'm sure, but um, if he took it all away from Bill, he wouldn't. All the the flights and the people buying his books, and if he took people buying Brian's records away, I still think they'd love Jesus. I don't think they do this for the for that. Right. Um, the only problem with it is that not enough people leave. Yeah, like not enough people are sent and go. Mm -hmm. There's there's too many people who go and stay. Yeah, because you, it's easy, it's easier to stay there than it is to go and start something somewhere else. That's very true. Um, <laughs> do you think that because most of the error that people would point out and point to the leadership or the leaders is mostly done by like congregation, like people that are just in the in the group, whether it's students or people that go to the church. Um, I don't think 
I think still that reflects on the leadership because um, at some point what's missing is that there is, that there just aren't leaders there that can really walk with everybody through life and really pass them to the degree where you don't have some of the craziness go on that's like kind of weird. Um, but they're a huge church. They they really that's the one thing I would say um, was missing. I do agree with you about um, about people being sent out. That's one thing like Aaron and I found was there was a certain point where we were like, okay, we need to leave because <laughs> this place is like too Christian, really. Like the whole city is too Christian. It's like what if you want to if you want to do something new and and if you feel if God's calling you to do something and it's different from what they're doing or what traditional church cuz most of the churches in that area are pretty traditional they are they might be on the fringe and and what happens at church may not be traditional but the way churches are run is traditional for the most part yeah so i mean i would say i would say even bethel runs as a traditional church yeah there's and corporate so you, there's corporate gatherings and extended times of worship and then a message and then prayer and then they do it again and yeah yeah so home groups in the middle of the week and yeah if you want to do something like non-traditionally eventually you come to a point where you're like okay I gotta go somewhere where there are people who are lost because I feel I feel like it's almost and I exaggerate and I say this jokingly but it's almost at the point where like everyone who's not Christian writing has like made their choice <laughs> it's not for lack of like knowledge or lack of knowing what's going on and that's a huge exaggeration but it's like a very Christian place you know it's like one of the more Christian places I've been to um, it's definitely so the I most think, Christian place I've been to yeah so I think at some point you do have to go whether you're sent or not. And I think people put uh, like requirements on what being sent out of Bethel looks like. Like, oh, I need Bill to present me to the church and say these people are being sent out of here. When really it's like it's like you have – he's kind of like a father figure of the house. So you have his blessing to go out and – you know, conquer whatever God told you to conquer, you know, basically. So mm -hmm. I think a lot of people have, like, that hidden kind of requirement, like, oh, but I want to be acknowledged, I guess, or recognized by them at least, hmm. you know. I remember, I remember my first summer in Reading. Um, I, for a couple of reasons, I wasn't allowed to lead worship. Um, and I remember for just like, I don't know, the first two months I was there. I remember being in the back of the room praying and being like, God, I guess I don't have to be the worship leader. I just wish I would be recognized <laughs> as, as being like one of the best worship leaders here <laughs> as I'm at worship school. <laughs> I'm laughing at myself because I'm an idiot. <laughs> um, and and I literally I I was like I was on worship school when there was only maybe fifty or sixty people on it, and it was six weeks long. So we got to know everyone really well. Um, and I was in the back corner, like I just wish I was be I would be recognized. And then the guy speaking that morning got up, and he started playing guitar and kind of humming to himself the way he does and. He said, you know, when you want to be recognized, really all you're doing is behaving like Satan. <laughs> and I was like, oh. <laughs> and he went on to say that one of the things that when, when Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness, he goes, I'll give you all of this. All you have to do is worship me. Just recognize just." just say that I'm awesome. I just want recognition for being awesome and some worship. Just give me some praise and then and that's it. Wow. And um, 
And I was like, that, that's, that's me. That's what I want. I want people to praise me and tell me that I'm awesome. Oh, crap. <laughs> I'm, I'm wicked. Um, and, not that I'm, and not that he was saying you are being satanic. He was just like, that's not from heaven. That's from that's being like Satan. Yeah. And it's a pretty harsh thing for that guy to say. Maybe I'm misquoting him because that was a really long time ago, but that's what I remember him saying. Um, and I remember it being <laughs> feeling like I just got slapped in the face. Yeah. Like he just like said it like it was out of the blue. I didn't say it to him. I said it in the back corner, kneeling down with my face on a chair. And and he gets up five minutes later and says, "So when you ask for this, this is what it means." And I went, "Oh no, I don't think anybody else knew what he was talking." About. I don't know if anybody else did. But it was within within minutes of me saying, I, I want recognition. Um, yeah, that's a weird thing. That's a different subject. We could talk about that another day. But, oh, I know. Um, in regards to being sent, I had my second, when I did my interview after first year and went to go to second year, I sat down with, um, with Banning and Jill Stalker, I think. And they were like, why do you want to go to second year? And I said, well, I know how to operate in the anointing, but I don't know how to go somewhere and create a culture where the anointing flows. And I need to know how to do that because I have to leave here. Mm -hmm. And they were like, oh, yeah, then you need to come to second year. <laughs> and that was it. Like, that was the end of my interview. There was no that's, other. That's simple. I was like, yeah, yeah, I know how to do this. I just don't know how to go and build this. Right. And I don't know that I learned how to go and build it in second year, but that's a different thing. Yeah. Um, so like that, in so if people that would be my only call, if anyone is gonna listen to this who's in Reading, mm -hmm. um, if you feel called to go, you should go. How's that for being really bold? Uh, yeah. If you feel called to if you feel called to leave Bethel, it's not that you're leaving it in a bad way. It'd be that you it's you know, it's a really small pond with some really big fish in it. And the and the truth of the matter is um, the rest of the world needs you. That's good right there. Like, <laughs> That's a good statement. Like yeah. we, we, the world needs it. I, and you, and you know this, Robert. You, like you walk around, and because of what we went through, and there is an open heaven there, and because of what the Holy Spirit taught us through people and on His own, you get away from it. And people look at you like, like you're from the moon. Like, mm. how do you know this stuff? And I'm like, what are you talking about? This is like what I went to school. I'm like, this is easy. And people here are, people are dying for it. And they're dying for lack of it. And it's not easy, as you know, because mm. people look at you like you're from the moon. But maybe you are. Maybe. Um, that's a, <laughs> thanks. Thanks. I, you know, there's a lot of talk about because um, Bill came out and said, uh, "Stay away from Jason for a while." I, um, I, I, I haven't seen Jason in in years and years and years. Um, I haven't seen him in, gosh. 10 or 11 years. Um, but I was an usher at his wedding. Um, he was a good friend to me. I always enjoyed, even though I always didn't understand. <laughs> um, 
I I always enjoyed being around him. And and eleven years ago, I will say, man, that guy burned with love for Jesus. He really, really did. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that the Father loves him. If Bill has said that people shouldn't be under his ministry for a time, that's a different thing than speaking dishonorably about Jason. Jason's right. wife Jason's wife is a, an amazing, lovely woman who's full of grace and kindness. And Jason himself was a very good friend for a short period of time. I only really hung around with him for about a year. But for the year that I would hang out with him, um, I mean, he was... <laughs> He was wild, but he was he was in love with Jesus. And yeah, if anybody who does listen to this rambling, just remember to give honor. I think that's what the culture of honor actually does is remembers um, that we're all low. You know, I. Mm-hmm. I don't think we can give honor and be proud in the midst of it. Not really. I don't think you have to, I don't think that's beating yourself up, but I think you have to recall, oh yeah, this person's worthy of honor because they're worthy of Jesus's affection and his um his life for redemption as part of of Jesus making all things new. That includes this person. And so, how, who am I? Now, it doesn't mean that everyone gets the same, you know, there's there's the application of it, which is, which is, requires wisdom and, and frankly, you know, common sense. Um, So, yeah, I just wanted to, to say out loud, um, you know, even in the midst of of somebody, don't you know? Don't take away the fact that Jesus um, paid to redeem all things, and that includes and that includes um, restoring um, Jason to his genuine love of Jesus as the Lord. Yeah. So well I think yeah. I think anytime you run into a situation like that where there's somebody who's so obviously anointed and like called by God, you know, um and then things get weird to the point where it needs to be addressed. Um I think if you don't have a plan or a hope for restoration and and for um, for things to be restored to them. <laughs> I mean, that's you need to. <laughs> I mean, there's there's no way that you should have the authority to go up then and and yeah, dress them if you don't. I mean, yeah, unless we're just writing people off. I mean, but we're not. No, that's a different thing. The Holy Spirit told me oh, one of the first things He ever said to me was he rebuked me for complaining about um, church. And he said, you're not allowed to complain about these people unless you're willing to pray for them. And then I was like, uh-oh. Yeah. Okay, then, well, I don't want to pray for them. And he was like, okay, then be quiet. <laughs> so I think I was, I don't know, maybe, how old was it? What have I been? 13, maybe. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I don't even know if I knew it was the Holy Spirit. I just all those things. Yeah. 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 I th- I think I think people run into trouble like with I think with any because Bethel is not like the only one on on the table for discussion lately. Like it's been right. there's been a lot of stuff happening at IHOP and different places. You know, um, 
but it seems like most of it, at least from what I've noticed, is... I know at Bethel, like, if you didn't agree with something, if something was being taught you didn't agree with, you know, they would actually, like, discuss it and be like, okay, you know, let's talk about it. Because it wasn't like you were flipping them off by disagreeing with them or anything like that. It's just like, you know, for some people, like, they had never, ever heard some of these concepts that were being taught, especially in first year, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of people, you're going to find people disagree. And, you know, cult-like is like when you don't have that option. It's kind of like, you know, this is what you think now. I'm telling you, like, what you believe and stuff. And I know for me, um, I didn't, when I went to school, I had, I, I was like a new believer. So I had just gotten saved. So, and before I had no church history, so I didn't know anything. So, right. so I literally had to make up my mind and be like, okay, so whatever they tell me, you know, I'm going to trust that they're telling the truth, but also I should probably find out, you know, make mm-hmm. sure that they're not just telling me whatever. Um, so I did, but I don't know that many people, like when I looked around, I didn't see that many people coming home from church or from school and going like, I need to check this out. You know, it was, (laughs) it was like, yes. And then they were in it. So I think at a certain point, all the exciting stuff will kind of get balanced out, like all the manifestations and and all yeah. of those just really exciting times in the present. don't weird me out. I got saved at airport in the midnight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All the, I mean, all the people that I saw that were like were super, super into manifestations and joy and all that stuff. Like, um, eventually it kind of bounced out. And when they realized that it did, like, oh, I don't have to be drunk constantly to have a good relationship with God. Then it became like like this thing, like, oh, it, it kind of brings you into a place of like, well, now I'm in this place of doubt because how come this is this stuff isn't happening anymore? But that was never like on the leadership. It's not like the leadership said you have to be experiencing this stuff all the time. It was just, you know, when people jump in without thinking mm-hmm. and they're just all in and then all of a sudden when it kind of... I wouldn't even say like it dwindles or anything like that, but it just kind of like settles. When the dust settles, they're kind of like, well, what's going on? Now nothing's happening. And so I guess that's where I had a different experience because um, because I was looking for an explanation and not for an experience. Because I'd had so many encounters with God on my own that I just wanted an explanation for what it was and for what my gifting was and and all these things that were already happening, but yeah. I just wanted language and explanation and I, wisdom. I found Bethel really tame in regards to manifestations and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it was, it was that. I, in regards to the whole cult thing, it literally is taken care of if more people would just leave. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Like, yeah, I went to Bethel. I was there for three years. It was amazing. It accelerated my growth with God. It changed my life. I learned things that I'd never knew before. And then, you know, then I left. And now I'm part of what God's doing in my hometown of this or a new town of this or whatever. Yeah. Like, that's the whole point. And I remember when they built the addition... Um, at the time that uh, that Bill's dad dad uh, passed, and like I don't know if it's still there, but it was written on the wall like if you build it, they will go. And the whole point was that people were supposed to go. Yeah. Come here, learn all this stuff, hang out with us, hang out with, and it is, um, and you know, like sometimes it's just easier there because there's a whole so bunch easy. of. There's a whole bunch of people who paid a price of fasting and prayer and sacrifice and, you know, like, it's just been deemed by God to be an open place. 
and it is. Um, and I think that because it's so easy there, people leave and go back home, and they're like, oh, this is way hard. I'm going back where it's easy. Yeah. Um, you know, but if you think about it, like, it's often that I, often in my life I regretted going and how I left and when I left and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I wouldn't change the fact that I'm here, not for anything. And I wouldn't change the fact that I went there. Right. Because what is there is amazing. And what God's doing and the leadership team, and they're awesome. It's amazing. So you should take that and go somewhere and you don't have to replicate it because you're not Bill Johnson and neither am I. But Yeah, but live your life. I, but go and live your life. That's you know, I wish school had spent more time talking about go get a job and be good at it. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, make sure you pay your bills and this is what it's like to deal with taxes and this is what it means to be scared when your boss yells at you and this is what it means you know to like have a barbecue with your neighbors and just like talk about sports and work and like just how to be a regular person there's so much talk about go and change the world that when you if you do leave you just go get a job you're like oh well, I guess I'd I guess I failed at that. Oh well, like, yeah. You know, even when even the people who do leave, there's this like resignation of, oh well, I guess I'm not going to go change the world. I guess I'm just going to go and sit in my office at work and, you know, yeah. try not to get fired. Make sure my kids can play t-ball. I don't know, like whatever. Yeah. And there's not a there's not a lot of talk about. about really what you're called to do. You know, um, I guess to kind of shift gears a little bit away from talking about Bethel specifically, or maybe we will keep talking about it, I don't know. Um, something that's been on my heart a ton is what people are actually called, what God calls us to do, and what our calling is. Um, and this is only, I don't know, recent. Um, I wish people had told me this 15 years ago and spent more time telling me what my calling was and telling, instead of telling me I'm going to be the next Kevin Prosh or Jason Upton. Because now that I'm not, um, it feels like failure. Does that, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You're going to be this. This is what you're called to do. And then when you're not doing that, you're like, oh, well, I guess I'm not living my calling. Crap. Like, you know, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. But if you look at it biblically um, and taking points from every single time I can think of God um, giving someone a commissioning, he first calls them. And the calling of God on everyone's life was come here. That's it. Mm -hmm. And I wish um, that I knew then what I know now. And what, I, what I've learned recently is that Isaiah was told, come up here and let's reason together. Let's talk this out. Yeah. And um, when Jesus called all of the disciples, he said, come and follow me. He didn't say, go do this stuff. He, sent, he gave everybody, every single one of them gets an assignment and a commissioning. Every single one. But before they get an assignment and a commissioning, they get a call. And the call from God is, come here. The commissioning is different. John 4, and then I saw a door open and a voice. Come up here and I will show you the things that must take place. Come here. He calls every single one 
that I can think of biblically come here. And as we come to him, that's what we're called to do. You know, many are called and few are chosen. And Banning talked about this, and I've never heard it said any better as the, the ones who are chosen are the ones who say yes. So many are called, but few are chosen, because few are actually going to say yes. So the calling of God on your life and the calling of God on my life is come up here. And that's it. Which means we're fulfilling our calling by being with him. If he hasn't given us a mission to go on, to go on with him, meaning a co-mission, if he hasn't given us a specific co-mission and we're not in full-time ministry, that doesn't mean we've failed at our calling because our calling is to be with him. And there may be co-missions that we have and go on and do, but that's not what we're called to. We're called to come here. What would you say then if somebody if somebody's like, yeah, I know I'm supposed to be with him, you know, but that's boring. I need something to do. Um, first off, I would say um, being with him is doing something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, have you ever had a had a girlfriend or a boyfriend? Like, if you ever had a girlfriend, being with that person is doing something. Mm -hmm. Now, it might be that what you're doing is watching Netflix. Okay. There's a difference between watching Netflix by yourself and watching Netflix with the person that you're in love with. And one, you're being with that person. And that's I, really it. I know what the difference is. You just browse. <laughs> <laughs> that's browse what happens. And, and disagree on what you're going to watch. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. No, I t I totally agree. That's I that's... would say you know. Well, if I don't want to be with him, I'm supposed to do something. Yeah, that being with him is doing something. It's not a it's not a passive thing. It's not like you just lay there. Like if you've ever been in any relationship with anyone, sitting still and being quiet for an extended period of time, and I'm not talking like an hour of contemplative prayer. I'm talking like. 45 minutes every single time of awkward non-conversation. Yeah. That's that's different. And he's way more patient and he doesn't care about social awkwardness. So he can handle it far more than I can. Um, but I, I, I wish I knew then that what I was called to do was to come here. Not lead worship for thousands of people sell lots of CDs. Because I haven't sold any CDs. I've never even recorded anything. It doesn't matter. I'm fulfilling my calling every day. And so, it's awesome. Actually, it occurred to me last night that um, in this place of, of learning what my calling is and in this place of actually being with him, that I don't do what I wanted to do when I grew up, but actually I am who I wanted to be. Like this is this is who I wanted to be when I grew up. That's sweet. I'm not doing what I thought I would do, but I am who I hoped I would be. And it's pretty great, actually. It feels really awesome. And the best part of it is Literally, I just have to just be with him. Um, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I, I really wouldn't. I, I would love to encourage every Christian that I could ever possibly reach with this message is that you're called. You're calling. Your actual calling is come up here. And it's, it's in the Bible. For every 
it's in the Bible for Isaiah. It's in the Bible for Moses. It's in the Bible for for Gideon. It's in the Bible for Joshua. It's in the Bible for all of the disciples. It's come here. I mean, Paul's doesn't specifically have that language, but the essence is there. It's it's come it's come here. And then the mission, the commission, and you know your your assignment. That's different. Your assignment's different, right? Jesus called the disciples first to come to be with him, and then they got an assignment. Yeah. But we screw it up. We spend all this time, even all this prophetic. All these prophetic words of here's your here's your assignment and here and we and we use it with the language of here's your calling and here are your giftings. And so if you're not using your gifts and living out your call, well then oops, you failed and you know we get left feeling dejected and depressed and we give up and we lose all of it. But Bethel, for me, was not a highlight of my life. I mean, it's a highlight in the sense of the friends and the community and, you know, and that time, but not in my relationship with God. Not even close. So that's what I would, that's what I'd want to say in regards to if anybody from a Bethel community would listen to this, who's been through school and now it's like a couple years later. Mm-hmm. But that really you're called to be with him. All the other stuff, assignments, all that jazz. It's just assignments. It's not a calling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my phone battery's going to be dying here, by the way. Okay. Well, we can say goodbye. We can end here. That was good. Yeah, you thanks. Want, you um, have any closing statements? Start a house of prayer. It's the best. <laughs> it is the best. <laughs> Doesn't pay well. Nobody no. knows you. <laughs> Doesn't pay well at all. Nobody will ever recognize you. You'll never, ever, ever be famous. Um, you won't have to worry about Christian celebrity culture. <laughs> You'll have to have a job that's totally flexible. Yeah. Uh, and there's going to be times where you wonder where he went. But the, the place of intercession is where Jesus actually lives. Jesus lives for us. Jesus lives there. Yeah. I agree. You know, Jesus lives in the prayer closet. If you don't know where he is, go go to the prayer closet. You'll find him. He's in there. He's he's always there. <laughs> he's always there. He is the greatest adventure. I've ever had, and the, I I can't even talk about it without crying anymore. I used to roll around on the floor and laugh all the time. <laughs> now I just get tears in my eyes and get all emotional. <laughs> uh, you know what's really funny in regards to like the prophetic and everything is um, I was just talking about this the other day that when I was at Bethel, my prophetic gifting was super. Like, there were times when it was crazy accurate, like weird accurate. And now I find that I'm just getting these general words, except it feels like I'm brushing up against God's affection for the person. And I know it's a good spot when I start crying. Yeah. And it happens almost every time I pray for someone now is I'll hit, I'll like touch something and I'm like, I can't even, 
handle pressing into that and because I I'm probably still too proud that I don't want to like completely blubber like a baby um, be like he loves you so much but that's it I just like touch up against him I'm like oh he loves you so I guess I will um, end my conversation with you Jesus loves you Father's so thrilled with you he really enjoys spending time with you. He really does. I would bless you to find him being a servant because he is the servant of all. And I think that's the message of the culture of honor is that Jesus is the servant of all. And how could we be any greater than him? So God's goodness is pressing in on me to make me go low. And he's overwhelming me on all sides. And I would bless you to have the goodness of God press you low. It's, it's awesome. <laughs>